Hi, welcome to Legacy Investing Podcast. This is episode 15 and I'm Nate and as always, I'm joined by my Legacy Investing buddy, Josh. Hey, you mate? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, going well. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good, actually. Um, working again. That's, a, I guess, you know, becoming a normal thing again. Um, no, it's been good. I've been busy outside of work doing all of my stuff and, and practicing investing and, you know, taking courses. It's been really good. What about your week? Awesome. Yeah, that's fine. We're um, working hard away here in Brizzy and, um, yeah, doing well and, um, yeah, good times. Um, yeah, just sort of watching the uh, crypto roller coaster from afar this week. It's been it's been up and down, and there's been tweets, and there's been Chinese government and U.S. government, and it's been <laughs> up and down. Have you seen it? I'll tell you what, it's been a lot less active on socials, hasn't it? You know, yeah, it's all good when it's all rolling, and then everyone goes quiet when you know it hits a fan. So, <laughs> I must admit, this week in the clinic, we have not. I have not heard about Bitcoin or Ethereum or crypto once. So that, that's int- interesting. Um, yeah, interesting week. Yeah, human emotion. People love to talk about the wins, but they won't mention the losses. It's like gambling, isn't it? You know, people yeah. tell you how much they pulled out of the pokies, but they won't tell you the five, six times that amount that they put in. So, <laughs> yeah. Any, um, any stock news you want to throw out there today, mate? It's, it's been an interesting week. There's a few, few um, big companies coming out and reporting and stuff. Has there been any surprises for you or anything that um, was uh, concerning or? No, no. Um, I haven't, to be honest, I, I just don't follow the broad market that much. Hey, like, I really don't put a lot of time. I sit, I sit and look at a few companies that I'm interested in um, that I'm, you know, personally keeping up with. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, so you're kind of constantly researching those companies you're you're um, looking at and, and interested in. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the way I want to do it. I, I want to, you know, be deep into that canyon of understanding of that one company or that those couple of companies. And and yeah, if I get some interesting news come across, I'll I'll look at it and then maybe I'll let, I'll let you thing. know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you've been following it a fair bit, mate. What's uh what's, uh, what's news from like- you? Yeah, look, I do like to keep up to date with what's happening. Um, there's been a few few um, nice reports this week and some not so nice reports. So um, nothing that's really changed uh, my thinking at all. And um, yeah, nothing too sort of um, has affected me too much. So I think that's what we're going to see. Um, there's still some jitters around around the inflation and um, so forth. But yeah, nothing that's really changed my thinking at the moment. So yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So, cool, so yeah, we're going to talk about a yeah calls and options and puts and and what the heck it is. And you're going to be teaching us tonight, and I'm going to be listening and learning, hopefully. And that's what uh, you know. Part of the reason we started this podcast was that you and I can learn about you know becoming a legacy investor in what we say and and how we're going to do it. So um, you know, this 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 to me is a little bit more complicated, and and I have not researches at all and i don't really understand or know much about it so um you being the professional you are you, you're going to teach <laughs> me tonight yeah I'll, that's a big word to throw around i'm definitely not a professional i just i know the basics in terms of um in terms of using it for a legacy investing style i'll say that so i i make it so that i'm basically not not running a risk by using options 
Okay, well, let's start with like, what, what are options? You know, we've obviously got, we can buy, you know, shares or, or you know, shares in a stock or a business, um, you know, that, where we're actually purchasing, you know, we're becoming an owner of that company. Options are, are different. Um, how do you explain them? I mean, what are they? Yeah, so an option is basically a contract and you're either selling the contract or you're the buyer on the contract. And each contract is for 100 shares. Uh, it could be for a company, it could be for an ETF. And then, you know, when you start playing with credit spreads and stuff, you can actually do it on indexes, but we won't go into that tonight. We'll just talk about basic options. Um, so puts it, put options and call options. And as a legacy investor, we're looking to sell the contract because that means we make an income through the premiums. And you go, I guess you could think about it like, uh, like an, it's insurance. So I'm selling, let's say I write the contract for a certain price, whether it be a put or a call, I'm writing the contract and you purchase that contract. What, what, what's happening is you're paying me insurance so that if the price goes either below or above, depending on the contract, you get the option to uh, exercise that contract and either sell me shares at that predetermined price or buy the shares off of me at that predetermined price. So we're not actually trying to own a share or a company or anything there. We're actually trying to make or generate income from selling a put. Is that right? As a, a, the way I use <laughs> the way I use it is I am using it because I want to buy a company. So I'll, I'll, I'll go through a put. So put options. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do an yeah. exact example. Um, yeah. You know, with, with figures and numbers and maybe even uh, a company or a company X, you know, you can call it. Yeah. Right. Cool. So let's just say I have researched my company exactly as I would, and I want to buy the shares, but my, <laughs> my buy price is my margin of safety buy price is a hundred dollars, but the share price is just not getting there. Obviously, there's an event which is bringing the share, the price of the company down because fear is what we want. Because when there's fear, you get higher premiums. People are more willing to take that insurance out if, if they're worried that the share price is going to drop like a brick. So what I would do is I would write up the contract for a certain strike price. And that strike price for me is going to be $100 because that's my margin of safety price. So let's say the price is 110. I create the contract at 100. And what happens there is that if the price drops below that, uh, if the price drops below $100, then the person who bought that option, bought the contract, can exercise that and make me buy the company at $100. If the price drops to $50, then I have to buy that at $100 because that's the contract. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's my margin of safety price. I'm happy to buy the company. You're happy to buy that price. Yeah. And so these, these are companies that you understand, you know, our, our legacy principles understand the company, you know, the management, um, you know, it, it's a good business, it's got a moat and you have figured out a margin of safety price and then you're calling it, you know, on company X, $100. Yeah. Um, I'll, just, I'll just rewind a little bit. So you, you're saying that, you know, company X at the moment is $110. And you're wanting to to get it for a hundred dollars. That's your margin of safety price. Um, can you just go through it again? Yep. So it, it, so someone already owns that you know 
contract or, or share of that $110 price. That they want insurance. You know, they obviously don't want to see their share price go from 110 down to 50. So if you're going to you're um, setting your price at 100, that gives them reassurance that at least they can get out at 100 dollars, not 50 dollars if it drops, you know, through the floor and and keeps going. Correct. Yeah, I'm insuring them on that price, and due to insuring them on that price, they're going to pay me a premium, which is cash straight into my brokerage account that I can use. So this is where fear becomes a big thing. If there's a lot of fear around a company, those premiums are going to be higher because people are willing to pay more money to ensure that, that, that they get that price. And this is where it's great as a legacy investor because if we use that premium into the cost basis, then we can purchase a company at a higher price, which manufactures our margin of safety. So hopefully that makes sense. But if I can give- Just, just repeat, yep. Just repeat yeah. again. So, so when you're talking about a premium, so can we just use the example of $110 or 110 and $100? What, what is the premium that you're talking about there? The premium is what, what the buyer of the contract is willing to pay, pay me for taking the risk to buy those shares at that price if it plummets. And what, what would an example of that be? Would they, like in terms of, because you said, you know, um, options are 100 contracts or is that right? Yeah, so options, uh, each contract is 100 shares. Yeah, each contract is 100 shares. So, so that one contract, what would the premium look like, look like in this? Or, or do you, is it set when you're, when you're executing that it just, contract? It depends. It depends on so many things. It depends on fear. If there's a lot of fear, then the premiums would be higher. Um, yeah, just it depends on a lot of things. If the, company, if the company's share price is bigger, like if it's, a, if it's say, you know, a couple of hundred dollars per share, then the premiums are going to be a lot higher because it's a lot more capital. If you think about it, if it's $500, if it's $500 per share, then you have to have $50,000 ready to buy that company because you're buying a hundred shares. Whereas if it's, a, if, if it's a $1 company, you only need to have a hundred dollars because you're buying a hundred shares. So by having a, a more expensive company, the premiums are going to be a lot bigger. But right, if I so, if I could give a quick example, hopefully this makes sense. For the hundred dollars and the hundred, like for the original company X, yep. we want to buy it a hundred dollars. The the price is currently $110. But let's say the premium is five dollars. So that's five dollars per share. So that contract means that they would pay me five hundred dollars premium for a hundred shares because each contract's a hundred shares. Five times hundred. Yep. Yep. So then, what I can do then is I can go. All right, my strike price is now one hundred and five dollars because they're paying me five dollars. Therefore, my manufactured margin of safety price is hundred because the cost basis has moved down to hundred. I've just received five dollars per share for the for the contract. Therefore, I can. I'm only paying hundred dollars per share if it if it if it gets executed. So if it does get executed, you've obviously bought these shares at $100. That $5 premium price you're talking about, that's cash in the hand. Or cash. Is that, is that, that's yeah. cash. You, so you've made a bit of an income on that or you've made a bit of a, a margin on that. Is that right? Yep, yep. So you've just made that $5 straight into your brokerage account per, per share. So that would be $500 per contract because there's 100 shares. That's just a way that we can 
get into a company that we love and we know the price we want to get into it, that's the way we can manufacture getting in even if the price doesn't get that low because our cost basis is basically you know, the strike price minus the premium that we've just got paid. And if the premium was higher, so in a scenario where there was a lot of fear and that $110 company X, you know, the share price of $110, there's a lot of fear and it could drop to, you know, it could halve, let's say it could halve. Um, would that premium be higher then? So that they might be paying, instead of $5 premium per contract or per, um, uh, per 100 shares, it could be double that. Yep. And then, and then at the end of the day, if, if it is $10 premium per share, then I can put a strike price at, at where the money is at the moment. I can put a strike price at 110 because I know that it, I'm, I'm going to get those shares at my $100 amount because I'm getting paid $10 premium. So. And so the advantage of the person on the other side is that they, you know, they are fearful that this company is going to go from 110 down to 50 and so for them, it's a win to sell it at $100, right? So yep. that, that's the advantage to them. The advantage to you is that you're getting it at your margin of safety price and you don't actually care if it goes lower. You've made a bit of a, a margin on your premium and you will buy more if it goes lower. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. If I've got, got $50,000 ready to invest in this company, then, you know, I'll work it out so i buy in maybe two or three tranches as it goes so like if i use 50 percent of my capital to buy that at the um my strike price if the if it gets executed if the option gets executed then i'll just buy more if it gets lower but at the end of the day i know that i want this company i know what i want it at a hundred dollars per share so i'm willing to buy it at a hundred dollars per share and start getting into the company at, on the other side of the like handle here if it doesn't get to that strike price then I've just made money. So I'll just, I'll just do it again until I get it. You know what I mean? So you, you can- You get paid either way. Yep. So, cause, cause if the contract, if you're going into a contract, you're getting paid because you're getting the premium, right? Yep. Yep. So if it, if it doesn't reach the strike price and then the option expires, then nothing happens except I've just made money. So specifically $110 a company, yep. you want it at a hundred dollars. Someone's going to pay you a $5 premium. Um, let's say that share trickles along, it's 112, 108, and that goes along. And, and there is a time limit on these contracts, right? So yes. if, the, if the time limit is 12 months or whatever it is, in that 12 months, if it never hits $100, but it goes to 101 or, or whatever, that's not going to um, execute the contract, but you still made that $5. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So it, it can't be executed unless it hits the strike price. Um, and even then, most of the time, and this isn't all of the time, most of the time, the, they won't execute it until expiration. So, you know, you could have a, you could have any kind of day. There's always, I think it's a third Friday of every month is expiration days, um, unless you've got a really heavily traded company and then you usually have weeklies. But um, yeah, if it's, if the time that it expires, if it's not, you know, at that strike price or in, in a put option lower than that strike price, then nothing happens. Shares don't get traded between people and you've just made an income. So, you know, maybe you do, you want this company and over three months, it just, you, you're doing monthly contracts and over mm. three months, it just doesn't go down, doesn't go down, doesn't go down. You're making an income by selling those contracts. 
Yeah, so even if you miss out on your margin of safety price, you've still still made some money. So you, you're going to have a, a little bit of extra cash to you know place somewhere else. Exactly, and if you if you play it right and you're making this income, then realistically, why not use that income to allow you to put it at a higher strike price again, so you can get into your company. Just use all that to as your cost basis for the company. Yeah. Okay. So these what you've just explained is a call. That's a put. That's a point. So there's a a really good matrix. Um, It's like buy, sell, put, call. Basically, we want to sell the option. That way we're making the income. But but we're obligated to either buy. In in the case of a put option, we're obligated to buy. And then in the case of a call option, we're obligated to sell. So, yeah, put to buy, call to sell as the seller. <laughs> okay. So mate, what's the what's the risk for our side as a legacy investor there? So for you who is you you've, you've made that premium, let's say the contract isn't executed, is there a risk is the risk that you don't get your share at, at your price you want then you miss yeah. out. Yeah, but that risk is there anyway. If I was just not going to use options and buy it, yeah. if it doesn't get down to my margin of safety price, I'm not buying it. So it's no different to that risk. All this is doing yeah. is allowing me to manufacture a price that's more likely for me to get into the company. Yeah. And the the person who's selling it, the risk for them is if it doesn't hit the buy price, they've, they've lost their premium. Yeah, they've just paid me the premium. But it's no different to insurance. But, yeah, and they still, they still hold their shares. So they're still getting dividends. They're still getting potential growth and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So when, when would we... Yeah, because there's obviously some risk here with these things, um, same as um, trading shares and buying buying shares. When would you? When's a good time to do that? Like, can you can you see mismatches, or is there opportunities to go? Actually, well, I think I can, you know, definitely get a premium on this, and even if my my share doesn't hit my margin safety price, then you know I'm winning. Is there a timing to to do this, or can you be doing it at all times? I think the timing, like you know. Right now in the market, I'm probably not going to be able to achieve this. Like I'm not going to be able to have premiums high enough to buy a company at my margin of safety because everything's so overinflated. The times that this works is when there's some fear. So, you know, obviously the price has to have come down significantly from say right now prices to a point where people are going, okay, I, I need to start insuring my company. Like I need to start insuring my get out of this price. So if if comp if I know my margin of safety is hundred dollars, but the company's two hundred dollars, there's no way in hell that I'm going to be able to get my company at a margin of safety by selling put options. So you really need to be waiting until it's getting closer to your margin of safety. Yeah, I think I think or, it, or would yeah. would people still you know if that share price is at two hundred, if it fell to one fifty, would they 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 still may you know, they still may be wanting to ensure that price, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's not our margin of safety price. It's not your margin. But could you still do it for the premium? Sure, but if you do it for the premium and then you get put the shares, you've just bought the company $50 above your margin of safety and then there's no point in investing. (laughs) Right, yeah. Because, I mean, we're coming back to legacy style investing there. You still want to be, you know, you want to be buying a company at a fair and, and valuable price. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is great for, you know, 
there's fear around the company or there's fear around the stock market. Prices are, you know, starting to move down, but it's just not getting to your margin of safety. This is how you can manufacture it. <laughs> I was trying not to use an example today, but A2 milk has been absolutely flogged. And um, would that be a, could you look at doing it on that? Or is it has it just gone too far now and now it's sort of bumping around, I think it's around $5 at the moment. Um, would have that been a good opportunity in the market if you thought a2 milk was a, a good buy and it was on your radar um could have that been a good opportunity there to try and get some um put options yeah exactly that's 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 probably one of the better um examples right now because there is a lot of fear around a2 milk so i think at the moment it's sitting at like that 550 mark or around there um and let's say your buy price was five dollars you would definitely be looking at that because it's within 10 percent of your buy price um, you know, you might you might easily get fifty cents per contract, uh, fifty cents per share on a contract, which then manufactures your price. Okay, yeah, cool. I think uh, that's that's a good explanation, mate. Um, so that that's put. Would is there a scenario where we would do the other side as a legacy investor calls? Yeah, definitely. So, in my opinion, say the price has gone up well above what you think the value of the company is. Let's say it's 120, 130, 150% of what you believe the value of the company is. And you just think it's well overinflated. Maybe you've got another company that you could potentially move that money to. We can sell a call option. Um, so, you know, you could sell, start selling call options. If you're happy to sell the company at its price, like obviously your options are sell it get the money and then move that capital elsewhere. Yeah. But if, you, if you're happy to sell the company, but you haven't exactly got a company to move that into or another investment opportunity, and you just want to start making income premiums, start selling call options, say 10% above where the price is. And then if, that, if the price doesn't go above that strike price, then you're making that income without getting rid of your shares. But as soon as that's, you know, price goes above the strike price and the contract expires, then you're giving the shares away. Cool. Can we do an example again? So if you valued the company, you think good value is $100 and it's sitting at, you know, $150, what would you do in terms of um, doing a call contract there? Yeah, right. So, I, so, you know, I could probably start selling calls at $160. Right. So and so yeah. the price starts, you know, if it creeps up to 160, you're selling your your stock. At $160, yep. Yeah. Have you paid the premium for that though? Or is it no, because every every time you sell a contract, every time you sell an option, you get paid the premium because you you're premium. because you're taking the perceived risk. But in this instance, we know it's not risk because we know the what the company's worth and we know what we want to buy and sell at. Right. And so someone else is going to take they will buy it at that 160 mark. Yep. Yep. And again, if it doesn't hit 160, if it sort of just um, bumps around 140, 150, 140, you're getting paid the premiums during that time. 100%. And like this is like if you know you want to get rid of the shares as well and you're happy to get rid of, say the price is 150 and you're happy to sell them at 140, then you can even sell a call in the money so you, if the price is 150, you can sell a call at 140 and you're just going to get a heap more premium because 
you're taking a lot more perceived risk because you're willing to lose $10 um, mm. on the current share price, but that $10 will be made up in the premium plus some extra. So does, yeah. Does the premium only come once? You're talking about making income as, as you're going along. Once that contract, once they've paid the premium, is, is that it or does the premium keep coming to you as long? No, so once, once the contract's created, the premium's paid and then that, then that's the only premium you'll receive. Whether or not the shares move hands doesn't matter. You only receive right. that premium once. And so if the contract length is one month, you would just set up another call option at the end of that month, do it again. Same thing if it doesn't go through another month. Yeah. Yep. And that's where it's amazing because if we've just doubled, if we've doubled nearly tripled our money on a company and we know we're happy to offload some of those shares, we can just keep selling calls and creating that, you know, income through premiums. How do you do this, mate? Is, is, did you just, just do this through your brokerage account or is there somewhere specific um, we have to go to set up options? Yeah, good call. Um, good question. Yes, it's through your brokerage account. Uh, in, a, in Australia, if, you bro if your brokerage is your bank, so CB, like Comsec or NABtrade, yep. you, you are required to answer questions because obviously call uh, options can be very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Like to the point where, you know, you can actually lose infinite money on contracts if you don't know what you're doing. If you, I'm going to try and uh, hopefully I don't butcher this example, right? If you were to sell a naked call, which means um, you're, you're potentially selling your shares, but you don't own the shares. People actually do that. What happens there is if the price goes um, through the roof, right? If the price goes through the roof. So you're, you sold a, a call at $100 and the price goes to $200. You are expected to buy that company at $200 to sell mm. it at $100. Mm. So you can see it gets very dangerous if you, if you, start looking at risky ways to use it. The only way that we're using it as legacy investors is we're selling puts on companies we want to own at the price we know we want to pay. And then we're selling calls of companies that we already own that we're happy to offload the shares. That takes away the risk. So that, yeah, I was going to ask, how do you de-risk from our side in, in terms of what we're doing? You, you've kind of explained it there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you would have to answer questions through your brokerage platform and then they would grant you access to be able to do that. Um, on the other way to do it, I use Interactive Brokers as my brokerage platform and I've done a lot of backtesting, a heap of backtesting, uh, practicing options, um, you know, puts calls, credit spreads, going into a bit more deeper like options and um, all that backtesting classes as experience and then mm. I can say that I've had five years experience and they're happy to give me a cash account um, when it comes to trading options. Right. Yeah, well explained, mate. Um, I think I understand that a little bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, little bit more research. Um, is there somewhere we can check out in terms of, um, well, you just mentioned practicing calls and you know, options. Yeah. Um, is there somewhere we can practice or set up a, like a trading account? To, to practice that kind of thing? Yeah, um, download Thinkorswim, which I believe is a, it's like a workstation for TD Ameritrade. 
um, it's only American shares, I believe. And I'm pretty sure you have to set up a Canadian account, but Google it, YouTube it. Um, there's on YouTube, there's ways of like show you how to set it up from start to finish. And then you can literally use uh, a feature on there called think back and you can see the share prices back, I think 10, possibly even longer, 20 years um, and all of the options chains and all that good stuff. But if, if this is something somebody is interested in doing, research a lot on YouTube. Um, yeah, research a lot on YouTube and, and don't go, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't go into doing risky trades. I would, I would practice just the puts and the calls and, and you know, practice that going backwards in time using the think back on think or swim. And yeah, you can practice doing that way. Or you could, you know, you got $100,000 or a million dollars worth of play money in there. Why not actually start doing it? Practice. Mm. There's obviously not a financial advice there. And, and I think, um, you know, just learning the basics and, and having the knowledge that there is other ways of, um, you know, making money or other ways of us, you know, um, making money in our legacy investing. So it's, it's good to just know that. And then we can go away and just, read about it you know research it practice it like you said so um yeah thanks man that's a, a nice little overview of options tonight um and um yeah we'll, we'll go away and have a look at that one yeah it's a bit of a bit of a technical te- technical uh topic but it, it gives you a slight overview of it and you know if it sounds interesting then just go research the hell out of it and know what you're doing if you're going to actually attempt it Yep. We always say get educated. So lots of learning, lots of reading. Um, it's the best way to go. You can um, self-educate. 100%. Well, mate, um, yeah, that's uh, thanks for another episode. Um, we will um, wind things down. And anyone who wants to ask us questions about options or calls and puts, and you know, you can get in contact with us on our socials, um, Instagram, Facebook, um, Facebook private group, I believe. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, we're happy to answer any questions. And uh, if anyone has any uh, topics they would like covered over the coming weeks slash months, yeah, send us a send us a um, yeah comment on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, and we've also got uh, the Gmail, so legacyinvestingpodcast.gmail.com. So feel free to reach out on there too if that's, if that's how you roll. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks for another podcast and thank you to the listeners for listening to episode 15 of the Legacy Investing Podcast. We'll catch you all next week. Catch you, Josh. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.